Howdy, folks. Your attention, please. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Hello, and welcome to Discovery Land. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. The year is 1956. As you enter Frontierland from the Disneyland hub, you have stepped back in time into the era of the American West. This is the Wild West at its greatest point of expansion. To your right and to your left, you see wooden buildings that are unmistakably from another era. The sound of gunfire comes from the direction of the shooting gallery. At the end of the block to your left, you see Slewfoot Sue's Golden Horseshoe. Is that singing wafting out from the saloon doors out front? Dead ahead, you can glimpse the Rivers of America waterfront. The Mark Twain Riverboat passes by, its distinctive whistle echoing through the land. As you turn right at the end of the block, you notice an expansive town up upon a nearby hill. You see the General Store, the El Dorado Hotel, the Opera House, and so many others. This is Rainbow Ridge and down at the front of the town is a pack of mules waiting to take you on an adventure into the wilds of the frontier. Pack was one of the opening day attractions at Disneyland on July 17, 1955, and in a place comprised of a river cruise through a wild jungle, a fairy tale castle, and a steamboat providing a grand circle tour of the entire park, the Mule Pack was one of the most popular rides in all of Disneyland. Perhaps this was likely due to how popular anything having to do with the Wild West was during the 1950s. On the big screen, westerns were a staple of the American cinematic experience. On the small screen, Disney's Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, was an incredible success. Children played cowboys and Indians, wore coonskin caps, and played with BB guns. So when the opportunity to ride on a real living meal presented itself, who could pass it up? Vintage photos of Disneyland reveal that this was a ride most popular with children. However, even the adults weren't opposed to joining in on the fun from time to time. At the boarding area, cast members dressed as cowboys would help children and guests onto their mules and into their saddles. The lead mule guiding the pack wasn't always a mule. Sometimes it was a horse. And riding the lead mule or horse was a Disneyland cast member. Behind them were seven mules, linked together in a single file train. In the 1955 book, Disneyland, The Nickel Tour, 
co-authors and Disney Imagineers Bruce Gordon and David Mumford had the following to say about the pack mules. Those pack mules must have been the most economical ride system ever developed. In May of 1957, Disneyland bought 25 of the pesky little creatures for just $50 a piece. And the daily feed bill for their whole herd of 75? Just 20 cents a head. End quote. When Disneyland opened, Frontierland had not been completely finished. The mule pack would ride around this incomplete portion of Frontierland, following a trail that was dotted with minimal scenery. Beyond low hills, trees, and shrubs, a nice view of the rivers of America could be had. The mule pack operated in the same area as the stagecoach and the Conestoga wagons, which also had opened in 1955. Then, in 1956, Walt Disney saw to it that his theme park more closely resembled his grand vision. At the far west end of the park, where Critter Country is today, Indian Village was revealed. In Fantasyland, the Skyway opened, carrying guests across the park into Tomorrowland. In Tomorrowland, the Astrojets and the Bathroom of Tomorrow were opened. And in Frontierland, Tom Sawyer Island opened. But it would not be the only new Frontierland experience. The Rainbow Caverns Mine Train also made its debut. The setting for the Mine Train ride was Rainbow Ridge, which was a mining settlement that closely resembled the classic portrayal of a Wild West town. The buildings were lined up along a curving hillside. Built with forced perspective, the buildings in the front row, which were undersized, were larger than the buildings in the second row. In turn, the buildings in the second row were larger than the buildings in the third row. The first row of buildings was near ground level, while the second and third rows were up on the hillside. Like any true Wild West town, each building had a unique name. From the Miner's Hardware Store to the Pioneer Hotel and Mother Murphy Meals to Rainbow Ridge Clarion, this little town was booming. Occasionally, shootouts would be staged amongst Rainbow Ridge. But Rainbow Ridge was merely the setting for the loading area for both the Rainbow Caverns mine train and the mule ride. Guests could not walk up to the buildings or go inside of them. With the opening of the Rainbow Caverns mine train, the mule pack was rechristened as the Rainbow Ridge Pack Mules. The ride experience itself was similar, with the mules meandering through a new area called the Rainbow Desert, but the scenery was vastly improved. The Rainbow Desert itself was comprised of many rock formations. There were buttes, arches, and even the balancing rocks, which would move and look like they could tumble down at any moment. There was a saguaro forest. Some of the cacti took on very interesting silhouettes, resembling people. A fun Easter egg of the seven dwarves in cactus form could also be seen. There were the colorful Devil's Paint Pots and Natural Arch Bridge. The bridge would be utilized by the mules as they made their way through the desert in order to avoid the mine train. Legend has it that when the mules were on the bridge, the mine train was forbidden from blowing its horn out of fear of startling the mules. And along with the mules, the stagecoach and the Conestoga wagon also continued to traverse the wild frontier of the Rainbow Desert. The grandest part of the Rainbow Desert and the grand finale was the Rainbow Caverns. 
However, only the mine train was able to travel through the dark, mysterious, and beautiful caverns. We'll discuss Rainbow Caverns and the Rainbow Caverns mine train in future episodes of Discoveryland. much of Frontierland would again undergo great change. The Rainbow Caverns Mine Train would become the mine train through nature's wonderland. The Rainbow Desert would become the living desert, and new areas would be created for exploration aboard the mine train. These included Beaver Valley, Cascade Peak, and Bear Country. While the mules were allowed to stay following the expansion of the area, the stagecoach and Conestoga wagons were not. It was at this point that the Rainbow Ridge pack mules became the pack mules through nature's wonderland. Once again, the experience of riding a mule was the same, but the scenery had once again been enhanced. The mules enjoyed a different route, bringing riders up close and personal with Cascade Peak, the 75-foot tall mountain that stood alongside the rivers of America. Finally, in 1973, the pack mules through nature's wonderland closed permanently. From that point on, the experience of riding a mule in a Disney park was no more. Disneyland was the only Disney park to ever offer a mule riding experience. With the opening of attractions such as Adventure Through Inner Space, Pirates of the Caribbean, and the Haunted Mansion, perhaps the novelty of riding a mule had worn off. It has also been suggested that the pack mules could be quite stubborn, refusing to follow commands or deciding in the middle of a tour to take snack breaks. Four years later, the mine train through nature's wonderland would also close. In its place, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad would rise. As the Disney Imagineers tend to do, a small tribute was left to the pack mules during the renovation of the area into Big Thunder Mountain. On a wall of Mineral Hall, which is now part of the Rancho del Zocalo restaurant, the following message is printed. Pack mules, bought, sold, and rented. It is said that the only remaining trace of the pack mules is alongside the rivers of America. As of 2010, a portion of the pack mule path was still intact near what used to be Cascade Peak. But with the recent shortening of the rivers of America and the redevelopment of the area into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, it is possible that any remnants of the path have been removed entirely. Next time you're in Frontierland, follow the queue leading into Big Thunder Mountain Railroad knowing that you are walking near the space that was once occupied by the mule pack loading area. Take a spin on the ride to see the tribute left by the Imagineers. Walk along the path from Frontierland to Fantasyland where the Rainbow Desert once stood. Always remember what once was the Rainbow Ridge Pack Mules. Disneyland is an incredible place, and around every corner, whether you realize it or not, is some hidden history waiting to be discovered. I hope that you've enjoyed this trip into Discoveryland. Be sure to tune in next time for another adventure into the vibrant history of the Magic Kingdom. If you are listening through Apple Podcasts, remember to rate Discoveryland in order to increase its visibility. 
please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Discoveryland Show and on Twitter at Discoveryland VC. Ladies and gentlemen, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that you'll be back with us again soon.